Well, welcome back to 3 Pup Par. My name is Mike Caridi and I am your host. This is episode number 28. Uh, I did muck that up last week. I did say 26. It was 27. So apologies to anyone that got confused, including myself, when I did go to upload the episode and noticed that I had two episode 26s. But we fixed it. So uh, so hopefully I don't muck that up again. Um, probably will, but hopefully not anytime soon. Uh, this is another episode where you are just listening to me. So my apologies in advance if anyone doesn't like listening to my voice. It'd be pretty weird if that was you know, something you didn't like, and then listen to this podcast every week. Uh, I did have a guest lined up, but uh, it was a late WD, uh, which is fine. That 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 Those things do happen because I do uh, obviously get, you know, people to jump on and they don't get paid to do it. So, you know, kindness of their own hearts. And if something goes wrong, well, there's nothing I can do about that. Uh, and I didn't want to uh, bother Will because uh, late call up for, for Will down in Tassie and I have to record on a Monday night this week because I am out the next couple of days. So, if you are uh, expecting to be enthralled with Mike versus the Mug and want to listen to me lose some more money or um, the Lucky Sevens, we will be back next week. I have got a couple of people lined up over the next few weeks, and I'm really looking forward to talking to some new people uh, from around the trap. So, uh, yeah, please stay tuned for that. But this week, we will be probably going a little bit more heavy into the gambling as well as we have in the last couple of weeks. So uh, hopefully someone's getting a win, and we will talk through uh, – Taylor's win this week in the PGA Tour and why we didn't have him. Uh, but more than anything else, I really just want to give everyone a rundown on, on the week that was and then a bit of a deep dive into Riviera for the PGA Tour coming up this week. But we will start with this week's event at Phoenix. Um, it was it was one of those events where I think the weather definitely made an impact to it. So realistically, it, it's a part of the world where you're not normally getting I don't know, this time of year, even though it is coming out of their wet season, it's not normally that wet or that cold, but this year it copped both. And in particular, even on the email that I sent out on Thursday, I said there was, there was a chance of showers over Thursday around lunchtime, and there wasn't just a chance, there was lots. Uh, and what that meant was we had a stacked field that just got backed right up. So I think on on Thursday, we might have had maybe half the half the field morning field done for their uh, 18 holes, and, and that was about it. And even by the time we got through to Saturday, we were still backing up. You know, the cut had been made and we still had guys playing that weren't making the cut on, on Saturday morning. So it really does throw things around. Um, for me, from a betting point of view, it makes it very difficult because you just – I like to bet before the event starts and I don't like changing too much up post. Uh, and if you are unlucky with the draw, it kind of leaves you sitting there going, well, am I going to reinvest and try and recoup or – Am I going to just hold my cards and see how it plays out? So it is a really tricky one, and probably early on in the weekend, I was pretty confident it was going to be a very poor week from a betting point of view uh, because a lot of the guys that I liked just were not close to it. Um, they copped a bit of a, a bad draw, probably three out of five that I, that I listed in the email. The other guys just weren't there. Um, I think Matty Fitz was the best result. He came home for about 15th place. But again, he was really only good those last couple of couple of uh, rounds, and he never was really giving the guys at the top end a shake. Uh, for the guys at the top end, it was good to see a little bit of cream rising. Scotty Scheffler continued his um, absolute freakish ability to do anything golf related except for putt, which I will talk through of his through his numbers in a moment. But really, it came down to two guys in the end. I know Sahith Thagala, uh, who was Marshy's pick last week in Mike versus the Mug, and I did donate my 50 bucks. So thanks, Marshy, for taking that out of my pocket and putting it into the pocket of Fight MND. So that, that donation was made. I said to Marshy, 
I did make it on Monday morning, Melbourne time, but I probably could have made it on Saturday morning because he was well and truly had me covered with his three picks quite early. Uh, so Sahith was in it for a long way, just probably fell away. I don't know whether it was tired, a bit over the stop-start sort of stuff, and I think a lot of guys would have would have been feeling that way. But it is good to see it really is a coarse horse place. Um, it's somewhere where down the track it's really about making a note to say, guys that like playing here, just like playing here. Um, if you look at the top five or ten, uh, Taylor, who won, uh, Scotty Scheffler, Sahith, they've all played here well, played well here before. So, what does that mean to me? It it probably harks back to something that I said uh, either last week or the week before, probably around Pebble, in that there are certain people that really like the conditions of not just uh, the tournament itself, as in like the the conditions of the grass or the setups, but but also what you have to deal with. And I think if you don't deal well with people screaming and yelling and carrying on and everyone in the crowd being completely blind drunk, then this is never going to be a place you're going to win because that's what you're going to deal with all day. I know any of you that watched the coverage saw that weather meant that anything outside of the the main rough that the guys were playing in was pretty muddy. Um, I saw people fully clothed, men blind, skidding down the up down some hills and covering themselves in mud and at one point on Sunday, they even stopped uh, alcohol sales. I think it was getting a little bit out of control, as as will happen uh, when you have an event like this where everyone's drinking. Um, the golf's probably stopping and starting. Why wouldn't you just keep drinking? So a uni town like Phoenix, um, yeah, it got a little bit out of control. But the finish was probably one that was a little bit better than we, than we thought it was going to be probably earlier in the week. So Nick Taylor was the winner. He beat Charlie Hoffman, the Seagull, in a two-hole playoff. Um, I think... I was definitely cheering for Charlie Hoffman. I think a lot of people probably were as well. He hasn't won in a, in a while on tour. Um, and he looked like he was going to do it. But uh, Nick Taylor made a clutch birdie on the last hole. Um, it literally just fell in the right-hand side to get into the playoff. And then he drilled two putts again um, in the first two playoff holes um, that were just absolutely clutch again to win. So the first hole, first hole, they both made birdie, sent it back uh back down the other hole again, and then, uh, yeah, basically Nick made that birdie, clutch birdie to, uh, to take the win. Really good for him. Um, if I look at the data and really what sort of came out of that week, he did it with the putter for the whole week. I mean, if you want to look at the difference between Nick Taylor and, and Scotty Scheffler this week, so Nick Taylor's picked up just over 2.2 strokes with the putter this week. Scotty's lost, or sorry, Scotty's been pretty much flat, 0.1. So Scotty's gone down by three. And he's given up the majority of those to Nick with the putter. When it comes to wedges, uh, or tee to green as an example, Scotty's still a freak. So Scotty, this week, strokes gained approach was 2.38. Uh, I think next best in the field would have been you know, not far above two. And then with Scotty's uh, tee to green, he's 3.21 um, strokes he's picking up per round for the whole four days. Whereas if you look at his um, nearest sort of person chasing him down. You're looking at like nearly 0.8 strokes better than anybody else. So Scotty gets that putter working. Um, again, we've said this every week, and he's going to be unstoppable, but he just can't get it done. And it was, I, don't know, I won't say it's interesting, but for a little while there, it looked like he was draining him from anywhere. But then as soon as he misses one, and when he misses one, it's normally like a two or three footer. It seems like his head explodes. And then he misses, you know, three or four more parts in the round that you just think he should make that. There's no excuse. And it's not like it's one side. He's missing high side. He's missing low side. Um, it feels like confidence. I mean, I'm not I'm not a professional golfer. I'm not there analyzing his strokes. I'm not seeing it. I know 
Um, other guys in the commentary box have done that to death. But, um, yeah, it certainly is getting worse. I mean, I pulled up his data this morning specifically for putting, and you can see, uh, you know, three years ago, he was probably tour average. Through 2022, he got above tour average. So that's when he really broke out. And then last year, he dropped back down to tour average, and now he's below tour average with the putter. So for everything else that he's doing, he's exceptional. And I know we talk about this every week, but you're going to keep hearing about it until one thing happens or the other. Either he gets better with the putter or he gets worse at everything else and, and drops back down. But I feel like he's going to stay stagnant for a little while. Charlie Hoffman was probably one out of the box. He certainly wasn't one that I had in my picks. Uh, when I looked him up, he was trading about 1,000 to 1 on Betfair pre-tournament. So fair to say no one had Charlie Hoffman. And not many more had Nick Taylor. Nick Taylor on, on Sportsbet here in Australia was around 150 to 1. I think about the same in the books in the US. I think he was trading at around 350 to 500 on Betfair. Uh, I know the max bet that was taken on him was around 500 to 1. But um, yeah, I think pre-tournament, he was probably closer to 350. So the run continues. Um, we've talked about it every week, and I'm going to keep calling them out. So Kirk won at 300, Grayson Murray at 1,000, uh, Dunlap at 550, Pavon at 150. Wyndham was the shortest we've had so far at 100, and now Taylor at about 350, 350 to 500. So again, I've you, you are used to seeing bigger odds in golf because it is a very, very hard sport to bet on. But you normally do get a lot of winners swimming between that 20 to 1 and 50 to 1. So when you have the first, what, half a dozen winners of the year paying 100 to 1 or more, uh, yeah, there wouldn't be too many gamblers on, on golf out there going too well at the moment. So I don't feel too bad about the, the tips not getting up just yet, but we will find something. Hopefully we can find something this week. If you do want the email, it is free, uh, threepartpodcast at gmail.com. Even if you don't take my tips, there's a truckload of data in there showing you all the trends and things for the event. You might look at that and see something else that you like that I haven't picked and you can go and put your hard-earned money on that. Uh, there's always ways around it. Or if you're playing in any of the one-and-done competitions out there, I know the My Love of Golf guys have got their, uh, their one-and-done. There's a lot of information there that can help you with your picks. So if you do want it, just let me know. The other big tournament, over in the uh, overseas, I should say, before we get to the Australian event, was the one over in Qatar, Commercial Bank Masters. Uh, it was one that I was actually pleasantly surprised to see the winner, uh, Rakuya Hoshino. So he came out to Australia over this summer and had some pretty good results over uh, the Aussie Open and the Aussie PGA. Um, he was probably the, I'll say he was the second fiddle to Rio Hitsatsune, who had come out previously. Uh, and I think he, he was one we thought might have a a big uh, season coming off the Australian summer. But he's been uh, clipped by his countryman, Hashino, who's literally gone and won this Qatar event after a, a really, really solid four rounds, 69, 68, 69, 68. Uh, I think he shocked himself a little bit. It was a really good a really good win in the end. I think Rasmus Hoygaard was the one that most people thought would, once he got himself into position after the third round, would go on and win it. But a really poor 73 final round for Rasmus knocked him right out of contention. He went down by five shots. And it's probably one of those ones where Rasmus in that final round just couldn't get into gear. So Hoshino was a was a really good winner, a really happy winner, a popular winner, I would say. Um, but also it goes back to something that we talked about at least probably three or four weeks ago around really keeping an eye on those players that have spent their summertime either in Australia, maybe South Africa, uh, somewhere where they've They've really been playing competition golf um, and coming out and starting the season fast. 
he's a really good example of someone who's done that. And it's no surprise to me at all that he that he won this week, which is really, really good to see. Other than that, the guys up the top of the leaderboard, um, two more guys that I'll probably call out were guys that came through in the early data last week as people that have played well at this course previously. And so no surprise to see them at the top of the leaderboard. So Tom McKibben and Jorge Campillo, two guys that historically had played well at the Qatar course uh, and, yeah, have literally just gone and done what they've done previously and finished that top five. Another link I'll give you for anyone that is listening and does like having a bet on golf, and I've given it to some people before, there's a website called Smart Golf Bets. So Smart Golf Bets is run by Mike. Mike is based out of NZ. I think he's a Kiwi nationality, but he's traveled around a lot. If you want to talk about a person who's exceptional in his knowledge about golf, and I'll I'll get him on the podcast in the not-too-distant future, Mike puts out a free uh, website every week showing Pretty similar stuff to mine, but a lot more in depth, just specifically around how the players played at this course before and how they played coming in. Now, mine picks up only PGA Tour when I show that sort of stuff. He shows any event ever. So as an example, um, Kabori, he'll show Kabori's events when he's playing on Australasian Tour, but he'll also show his amateur events. Same for someone like, um, I don't know, Ludwig Aberg. So I'd be pulling out all of his data there. So showing it all the way through. Are they winning? Doesn't matter where it is. Where are they, where are they playing and are they winning? So uh, Smart Golf Bets is another tool if anyone is interested in that sort of stuff to be able to pull it up. The other event was one here in, oh, not here in Melbourne, here in, in Australia. Uh, the Players Series event in Sydney. So it was at Castle Hill this year, which is a bit different. It has been played Bonnie doing the last few years, which you talked about last week with Marshy. Ah. <sighs> I, I put the tweet or I put out the note on socials on Friday that Kazuma Kabori was taking souls on the Australia, Australasian tour. I think he was around 65. I think he was maybe seventh or top five. The, I, I don't, I can't remember anyone having a season here like this. Like Dave Mikaluzzi last year was exceptional, but Kazuma Kabori in his last four starts has won three TPS events, and I think he was about 10th in the Vic Open. Like, for a guy who was an AM, what, four months ago, um, that's that's very, very exciting stuff because you can expect someone to come off that, um, need a little bit of sort of grounding, find their feet, maybe get through a few events where you're in the mix, get the nerves and go out the back. He hasn't done that. He's not only winning, he, he's winning well. I mean, this weekend, his final round 66 just went straight past the guys and girls that were at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, I was just watching the final part of it. Jenny Shin, she was the only person that could possibly catch him down right down the stretch, and I think she needed to hole out for eagle on 18, uh, which he obviously didn't do, um, to even force a playoff with Kazuma. So a great result for Jenny Shin, and again, she was probably the favorite for the event, but she finishing at 23 under. Kazuma at 24 was just too good. Uh, it was, yeah. It's just absolutely frightening to watch this and it makes it tough because now every event that comes up for for any event that Kazuma is going to play in, so in a moment we're going to talk about the, the Hunter Valley TPS event. I mean, there's no doubt this week Kazuma will come up red-hot favourite in the bookmaker's odds. I won't back him because the ship sailed on winning money on Kazuma, but if he keeps winning like this and I'm not backing him, I'm not going to win any money. So I'm a bit stuck in no man's lane at the moment uh, with Kazuma. I love you, mate. But um, yeah, I'm you know I probably can't tip you ever again because I tipped you every time until you started winning. Maybe maybe if I tip him again, he'll lose. Maybe that maybe that's how I do it. Then I bet against him. Uh, maybe I got to figure out a way around it. 
Either way, very, very impressive stuff from, from Kazuma. Um, Jenny Shin, like I said, finished second. Brendan Jones, third. Matthias Sanchez, fourth. And Justin Warren, fifth. Uh, Harrison Crow, um, I won't say had a poor final round. Uh, 64, 64, second and third rounds with 71 to finish. He looked a little bit flat coming down the stretch in that final group. Couldn't quite get there. And another guy that we've talked about uh, recently, Jeffrey Guan, who um, is having just a really, really stellar, pretty sure it's his first at max second year coming off amateur status as well. So really, really good result for him as well. So no no issues there with that event. Um, I do like having the men and women playing against each other. They've got the all abilities running at the same time. It's uh, For me, it's a, it's an easy watch. It's, it's great being able to sit down on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon and watch a little bit of Aussie golf on television um, because yeah, we just we just don't get enough of it. On to this week's event. Um, I'm going to start with the Aussie events because effectively, I'm going to work in reverse order again from where we just came from. Uh, we're at the Hunter Valley this week, uh, so we do have a little bit of course form. So we do know how the guys and girls have played here over the last two years because uh, it's at the same course. And now we've had a little bit of weather. I know um, PK up in. Uh, where is it? Up in the Hunter. Has tried, got to play in the Pro-Am. Uh, well, sorry, he's supposed to have played in the Pro-Am a couple of times. And I think he's been rained out both times. So good luck to you this year. I hope you're getting another another Guernsey, mate. Um, and you get a win. Maybe you get to play with, um, I don't know, maybe get to play with Kazuma Kabori and, and he can give you some tips. Um, but he will become up favourite, absolutely no doubt, in my mind, Kazuma Kabori. So he is playing this week. Obviously didn't play here the last two years. But as I said, First, tenth, first, and first in his last four starts. So uh, he will be very, very, very short. Uh, one of the other guys that will be reasonably short is last year's winner at this event, Brett Coletta, who won the Vic Open. Uh, obviously, winning here and then winning two weeks ago will have him in a lot of people's numbers. Ashley Lau, Lydia Hall, Dimi Papadados, uh, Kelsey Bennett, Honey Song, Harrison Crow, Jake McLeod. They'll all be sort of pe- people that will be coming up in a lot of people's numbers. I will do the full review in the email that I sent out. I will probably be uh, chasing Jake McLeod again because I can't can't uh, give up on that until I see him win one. Uh, but it will be one that I'll be keeping an eye on for at least the weekend, this weekend, being able to sit down on the couch again and watch a little bit of Aussie golf, which is never a bad thing. Uh, there is no event this week in the DP World Tour. They've got the, they had the, as I said, the Commercial Bank Qatar Masters this week, but the Magical Kenya Open is the next one coming up. The best name in golf, I reckon, Magical Kenya Open. But it's not on uh, until I think it's the end of the month, so a two or three-week gap there before we have to get to tune into the uh, European Tour again. But we do have the big event this week. The big event this week is in oh, Los Angeles, uh, Riviera Country Club. We have the Genesis Invitational. Now, the Genesis Invitational is better known as... Tiger's tournament, and he's back. Uh, Tiger announced last week he's uh, he's giving himself a uh, being an invitational, giving himself an invitation, uh, which I don't think anyone's ever going to be upset about. I saw some people talking a bit about it online and saying that there should be some sort of category that just says Tiger Woods, and whenever he wants to play, he can just go and play. He doesn't have to worry about a sponsor's exemption or um, you know all time money list or something else. Like he sh- he should just go and play wherever he likes, which is. I don't think anyone would ever have an argument about, especially when it's in, you know, an event and a a sport that he's put so much into over the years. But it is, uh, it's in Pacific Palisades, of course. It's a par 71. Um, Riviera is one that I think everybody loves. I think, I 
sure there's course uh, much more knowledgeable people about golf courses like Matt Mollick and Scotty that will tell me that I'm completely wrong, but they're probably about as close as we get to sandbelt golf on the on the uh, at least in the US. It's uh the fauna is not flora. I should say not fauna. <laughs> the flora. There's no kangaroos jumping around. Uh, is isn't that the similar? You can see some uh, eucalypt trees here, there, here and there. Um, it's one of those ones that they can try and get hard and fast. Um, and I think they will try depending on the weather. We will get in the email a full breakdown of what the weather looks like. But you don't touch wood. You don't normally get horrendous weather in LA, no matter what happens. So the the event will be one that I think most people will try and tune into because I feel like it's one of the favorite events for the year. I think it's a it's a course that people quite like. It is an older style course, an older style clubhouse. I think it's been around for such a long time. Um, people just love it. Um, I think it was the Nissan open at one point in my brain. Rocket is probably yelling at his um, at his phone right now saying, yep, the Nissan open mic. Um it's it's one that I think yeah everyone will try and try and at least have a little look at this week and they'll be really trying to make sure that um, you know maybe you have a dollar invested this week also um, if nothing else. When I look at the event, it's one that I break down pretty heavily um, for strokes into the green. Um, it's an event that stroke scan approach necessarily isn't super key, but I can pinpoint because they've played here so many times. I can really pinpoint what sort of distance players will be hitting in. So as much as the strokes gained approach isn't that um, critical, if I can say between 150 and 200 yards covers nearly 50% of your shots into greens, well, that's super important. So I'm, I'm going to drag that stat in. Strokes gained around the green is definitely an important one this week, as is driving distance. So distance on a course like this is not super long that people would sort of say, well, it isn't that important, but if you look at the numbers, the numbers say it is. So 0.28 of a stroke is what is here more important than a normal PGA Tour event. So if you're good at it, for me that says right. I, I'm happy to have that as a part of the um a part of part of the data set. Also, putting is always important, uh, and so is tee to green. It's actually funny when I looked at what I'm pulling in stats wise this week and what I pulled in at Phoenix. It's actually very similar. Well, they're not remotely similar looking courses. But the stats that I want to see, driving distance, putting, approaching from 150 to 200 around the green, that's all the same stuff that I was looking at last week in Phoenix. So made my um, data a lot easier this week. When it comes to the sort of things that I want to look at outside of that, it's a bit of a hodgepodge. I mean, the greens will be stimping pretty quick. Like I said, they'll get it hard and fast. I think the target's about 12 and a half. The greens are reasonably big, um, you know, Overall, probably the fourth, I think they say the fourth largest on tour. Fairways are only 27 yards wide. Um, the green contours were restored on number 10 and 15 in summer. So basically, they had some pin positions they weren't quite getting to anymore. So what they've done is they've effectively, what it sounds like, is scalped the top of the greens off with the grass, redone the underlay, or not the underlay, the, the, the contours underneath, and then refloated that grass back on top the same grass so that it didn't sort of have to redo the whole lot they could sort of get away with redoing part of those contours and get those pin positions back without having to redo the whole green completely which sounds like a bit of an interesting way to do things um yeah i, I don't know how how hard that is or easy that is to do but when i look at when i think about it, it sounds pretty um pretty difficult to me when i look at the guys that are going to play well here 
there's really are some strong names that come straight to the top. So Rory rates on top in my data. Um, he's probably not a person that I'll be definitively looking at this week. 66th at Pebble, hasn't really been playing that much yet. Obviously, a couple of starts on the DP World Tour. He has had a couple of top 10s here in his last five starts. He's had three top 10s. I'm just not feeling like he's my guy this week. The number two rated guy is Ricky Fowler. Now, Ricky's just not playing well. He proved that this week. He missed a cut at Phoenix where I didn't expect that to happen at all. Now, I know we've talked about the weather this week being something that's probably was conducive to people playing poorly, but a 47th at Pebble where there was also bad weather, cut at the Amex, Ricky's probably someone that I'm that I probably won't be investing in either. Tommy Fleetwood is one that will come into my review. 20th here last year. Uh, 31st at Pebble, I'm, I'm umming and ahhing about, but he ranks 8th in strokes gain tee to green last year, 11th around the green, 15th in putting, 29th in approaches from 175 to 200. All up rates really highly. It's just, can I convince myself that he's going to win? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, if it was a European Tour event, I obviously feel more confident, but I'm just not sure that he's going to make it into my top five picks this week. Scotty Scheffler ranks fourth. Shockingly, the only thing that he does poorly, as we know, is the putter, as we've just been through a moment ago. But sixth at Pebble, third at Phoenix, twelfth um, here last year, seventh the year before. He's the best player in the world. The only thing that's going to be going against him this week is going to be his odds. Do I want to bet on a guy that's probably going to come up at about ten to one, uh, or maybe less, because it is a seventy-man reduced field? Um, again, Scotty's probably going to come up right on top, but just going to be someone that I'll probably steer away from on the price. One person that will make it into my picks this week, I can guarantee, is the most electric man in golf. The man that, whenever he's around, just people just just get energized, and that's Patrick Cantlay. Um, and I know at least Paul's is laughing at that because he knows I don't think he's very electric at all. Eleventh uh, at Pebble didn't play Phoenix, um, but he has got great stats and data stacking up here. Third last year, fifteenth a couple of years ago. It feels like a Patrick Cantlay sort of sort of track, uh, and I feel like he's due to probably pinch something soon. Victor Hovland ranks up next. Again, everything says good. I mean, fourth year, two years ago, fifth year before, clearly can play. Again, the only thing going against him is he's probably going to come up third favorite, I'd guess. I'd say Scheffler, Rory, Victor. Um, without seeing the market yet, we don't have odds. Um, but 58 to Pebble, how's he going? I don't know. I just don't know. It makes it really, really difficult when you're putting out these sort of stuff very early um, because we just we don't know the odds for starters. So it's hard to give you a lean on which way I'll be betting. But a lot of these guys at the pointy end, unless they're flashing serious form or have exceptional form here, it makes it really tough in my opinion to say, yep, yeah, no, definitely put, that, definitely put that person in your jigs because, yeah, realistically, there's a good chance that Vic's going to come up short, and all that we know about his recent form is that he played really poorly at Pebble. So, yeah, I'm just not sure about that one just yet, but Vic will be close enough to the mix if his price is right. Xander Shoffley comes up next. Um, again, a guy that played poorly at Pebble, putting a line through that just for weather and everything else. Ninth at the Farmers before that, third at the Amex. Uh, grew up in uh, San Diego, not you know, an hour south of here by car. 13th two years ago, 15th year before that, 33rd last year. Form's good. Everything's good. It could come down to a, a mono and mono between him and his buddy Cantlay. They probably are going to be my top two picks. 
Uh, I'm not quite sure whether their price is going to be right, but we'll find out probably later this evening, Melbourne time. Max Homer is the next one. In the, I'm not going to go through the whole lot, so I don't get too stressed out. Max Homer is a tricky one. Max Homer's form here is exceptional. Clearly loves the place. I think it was probably one of his his best wins ever and, he, and one that he cherishes the most is um, when he won here three years ago and, and standing next to Tiger getting that trophy. Um, but 66th at Pebble. Fourth before that he was okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know. He's a little bit. He's a little bit like Victor in that I'm just not sure whether he's going to win this week. Everything stacks up that he might, um, but I don't know the price is going to be conducive to me saying, "Yeah, you were pretty poor at Pebble." Um, okay, before that, but I expect you to play well here because this is your world. Um, this is your part of the world. The guys that are a bit further down the list that I also don't like. Really quickly, Colin Maikawa, sixth here last year, second the year before, and 14th at Pebble. Great form there. Adam Scott, Aussies love the West Coast. Um, Adam's obviously won here four years ago. He finished fourth two years ago, seventh not long before that. He's had a second. A lot of top tens. He finished eighth at Phoenix, so again, flashing a little bit of form recently, 20th at Pebble. So form's improving and has won here before and clearly likes the place, which is never a bad thing. Matty Fitz was, like I said, okay. Finished 15th at Phoenix, was fifth year three years ago. Sam Burns was, he's missed his last two cuts here, but was third before that. And he finished third at Phoenix, 10th at Pebble. So again, he's going okay. And if you want one more, so I've gone through a few, the guy that's probably worth a little flyer, and I'll be very interested to see where he comes up price-wise because he is a little bit of an unknown, that's Will Zalatoris. So Will Zalatoris, um, came back, missed the cut at Sony, 34th at Amex, but did have a 13th at Farmers, which is a which is a great result for a guy coming off serious back problems. His results here, he's only played a couple of times. Uh, fourth last year, 26th the year before, and 15th the year before that. He's played one other time, missed the cut. But for me, I I will, I will be definitely investing in Will Zalatoris this week, if not each way, uh, maybe a top, top 10 bet because... I feel like he's coming to hand quickly, a little bit like Daniel Berger. Both are coming off a long stint, um, and I'm not super concerned about him um, not playing as much the last couple of weeks. I feel like that's good. Get three three events in, have a little two-week break, and I feel like he could come in fresh and, and come to a place that he's played well and, and give it a real shake, which would be good to see. Now, just before I go, uh, the odds have come up for the Hunter Valley, so I will tell you, as we predicted, uh, Kazuma Kabori has come up favourite at $7.50. Brett Coletta, $10. Ashley Lau, $15. Daniel Gale, $19. Elvis Smiley, $19. Jeffrey Guan, $19. Jake McLeod will be investing there again. Jake, uh, $23. Quinton Crocker, $23. Harrison Crow, $29. So uh, no surprise, Kazuma favourite, as he quite rightly should be. And then Brett Coletta, who won last year here and then won the Vic Open second favourite. But... As I said, $7.50 Kazuma, $10 Brett Coletta. I'm just not convinced that I can invest in that. I'd, I'd much prefer to have a dollar on Jake McLeod at 23, you know, three times the price of Kazuma and just, you know, not invest to save my, save, you know, to win anything extravagant. But at least I, if I win, I, I can buy, I don't know, three cups of coffee instead of one. It's, uh, it's just the way my brain thinks. And again, I'm not doing this for retiring. And if anyone is, don't take my advice because it's, it is going to be very um, much coming from a place of just doing this to enjoy it. So if you're not doing it to enjoy it and you're listening to this because you want to hardcore gambling, this is, this is, that's not it. 
Uh, always gamble responsibly. Always bet within your means and just do it for a bit of fun. Um, that will be it. That will be all you should be doing it for. That's it for the week. The only other one that I'll be watching, I can guarantee you, the one bet I'll be having this week will be Patrick Cantlay to be round one leader. Uh, he's third this year in uh, in the round one. Sorry, no, he ranks first now in round one leading. He was he was second or third. Um, he'll be one to watch out for. If you do want the tips and the email for all the events that I've gone through for next week, just flick me a note, uh, threepodcast at gmail.com. Really big thank you to the people that have been listening, liking, subscribing, sharing with other people. Been getting some really nice um, messages, which has been great. Uh, really, really do appreciate it. And I think last week we topped that in the charts at around the 12. 12. Um, when I say when I say it up the podcast charts, you know, not far behind, uh, no laying up. It, it's very exciting. It's always good to see um, the Aussie podcasts up there with the Australian Golfing Passport, myself, 19th T, of course, uh, my love of golf, all the guys up there, all the... Uh, all the Aussie battlers, uh, it's really good. So, yeah, keep listening to us, which which we do really appreciate. Uh, and good luck. And if you do want the email, make sure that you flick me a note and I'll get it out to you as soon as I can. Good luck this week. And uh, if you need me at all, just flick me a note. Um, we'll be doing some competitions coming up, uh, one including getting someone on to come and be my guest for the week. And also we'll be doing some giveaways around the majors. So keep an ear out for that. Cheers. Cheers.